Brother Pierce came up here last week, and I listened to his sermon online, and uh, he was talking about loving people and loving our enemies last week. And I wanted to uh, continue on with that theme. It's funny because I didn't plan on continuing with a theme, but the Lord said, go preach on 1 Corinthians 13, so if you'll turn there in your Bible, we'll be reading through from verse 4 through verse, uh, part of the first part of verse 8. Brother Pierce mentioned last week, you know, that uh, talking about loving our enemies and loving people. And one of the things that's gotten distorted in our Christian walk in America is the idea of love. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But in the text, we're in 1 Corinthians 13. I hope you've made it there. I've heard a lot of pages turn. And if you're there, say amen. amen. Okay. Even people without Bible said it. Good job. All right says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So... In America, we've got this idea, we've only got one word for love. In the original Greek language that the Bible was written in, there's, I don't know, seven, eight, something like that, words for love to describe the different facets of love um, that we we would describe. But in America, we use love for things like, I love hot dogs. I love potlucks. My belly particularly loves potlucks because it gets lucky then. But... um, We love pizza, we love our wives, we love our dogs, we love all kinds of things. But what do we, what are we saying when we say, I love my wife? Well, it could mean a couple of things. If I say I love my wife, I could be saying I have a deep affection for my wife. Or I could be saying that I do this, this, and this that demonstrate love for my wife. Love is physical. We... If we pay attention to the culture, and most of us, if we're real honest about our past relationships, it's physical. It's emotional. We got a lot of feelings wrapped in up in it. But at the end of the day, we don't walk around going, I was patient, I was kind, I was not envious, I was not boastful, I wasn't rude. Because most of us in our relationships are all of that and worse. In fact, most of us, or five minutes away from the worst mistake of our lives. But love is physical. We've turned it into an emotion that, uh, an emotional response. And let's just think about this for a second. If love is purely emotional, it's going to die with us, right? When we go in the grave, love goes in the grave if it's all emotional, right? If it's just some kind of chemical response in the brain that makes us feel all gelatinous and gooey. But if love is no more than emotions, what purpose does it really serve? The O is love is overrated. We talk about love and we say, uh, well, I fell in love with him. I fell out of love with her. In fact, a good friend of mine recently said, uh, my wife told me she fell out of love with me. That has to be painful. And yet, 
was she really loving him to begin with? If she fell out of love with him, what was he doing? What was he not doing? What was she not doing that made him fall in, in or out of love? We get married, you know, and this, this happens to us guys a lot. We'll go ahead and we, we, do, we lay out the red carpet for our wives. We do things that we would never do for anybody else, and then we get married to them and we stop. And I'm, I'll be honest, I've done it. We just, uh, instead of doing things uh, that are important to love our wives or to love our husbands, our relationships become little more than self-gratifying relationships of convenience. Love is reactive. That's our R. Love is reactive. We are inundated with this thought that if they love me, I'll love them. If they're my friends, then I'm their friend. And the reality of it is, and write this down, love is a gift, not a reward. Love is a gift, not a reward. Love is a choice to, to sacrifice for another without the promise of repayment. Okay? Finally, our end is, and probably the worst of all lies, love is natural. Love is natural. It's just natural. I have feelings for this guy, and I'm a guy, so, and it's natural, so it has to be love. Friends, that's a lie. I'm not trying to bag on anybody who has that lifestyle, but I will tell you it's a lie. It's not natural. In fact, if you believe it's natural, go down to the nursery, set two two-year-olds across from one another, put a toy in between them that they both want, and when you pull them apart and wipe the blood off their faces, you can tell me how much, how much love is natural. Okay? Because the fact of the matter is, is love is not a natural response. Love is a chosen response. And yet, after all this, love is commanded. John 13, 34, and 35. John, uh, Jesus says, And a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It says over in John 3, 23 and 24, it says, I wrote down the wrong verse. It's 1 John 3, chapter 3. Verses 23 and 24. He says, and this, commandment, and this is his commandment, that we believe in his name, believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whosoever com- keeps the commandments of God, abides in God, and God in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit he has given us. John 4, 7 through 12 Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God. Because only... Because God's... I'm sorry. Because God is love. In this love... In this, the love of God... Was made manifest to us. God sent his 
loved son, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Think about this. If God's love is perfected in us by us loving, what does that mean? It means that we experience God when we love one another. When you go out and you're going to school to teach or you're going to uh, work or whatever the case may be, when you love those kids, when you love that teacher that's down the hall that's antithetical to everything you believe in, when you uh, work with that person that constantly condemns you and says, well, if you were really a Christian, you could do blah, 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 or you wouldn't do blah, 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 you wouldn't cuss, you wouldn't smoke, you wouldn't chew, you wouldn't drink, if you were really a Christian. No, the fact that I love you enough to take you out to lunch and hang out with you shows that I love you. The fact that when you got your light shut off, I went out and I reached out to you, that's loving. When we uh, reach out to other people, we experience the love of God and the love of God is perfected in us. Again, I want to stick with this thought that love is a choice to sacrifice for another without the promise of repayment. And the, if we go over to 1 Corinthians 13, there's four types of love that we hear about biblically speaking. Um, and they're not all in the Bible. One of them is eros, which is a physical, emotional, sexual kind of love where we get the word erotic from. And um, you won't find that anywhere in the New Testament. Along with that, you'll find in the New Testament, though, you'll find storge, which is a Greek word that describes a parental love. When you uh, take care of your kids or you take care of your grandkids, storge is the kind of love that you would be describing when you say, I love you. What we most often describe as love is what, is what the Bible calls phileo or phileia, depending on how good a Greek scholar you are, which I'm not, <laughs> Okay. Not a Greek scholar, but phileo would have had the idea of friendship love or brotherly love. If you were to say, I love you to a friend or to a relative, most often you would be describing this philia, this phileo love. And the love that's described here is agape. It's this sacrificial love. And agape is a love, like I said, that sacrifices for another without the good of re- without the promise of repayment. This is Jesus love. In fact, you'll find about around 100 plus times in the in the New Testament agape is the love that's described. So, if we're going to learn how to be agape lovers of people, we have to learn what agape love means. It says love is patient. Now, a lot of us think being patient is waiting 45 seconds instead of 30 at the drive-thru. So let's get this real, okay? My translation says love is patient, but I'll tell you, the old King James used to say, charity suffereth long. We've lost that idea when we love people of long-suffering. When my wife puts up with me every day, I want you to know, that's long-suffering. 
okay? I mean, the idea is, is, to, is to, we put up with one another's faults, not because that we're trying to change people, but because we're trying to love people. And when we love people, we suffer long. Think about Jesus, okay? Jesus is, dying on the, is getting ready to die on the cross. They're nailing him up, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You think he suffered for him? He died for the very people who were nailing him to the cross. The people that split his back open. Where his muscle was showing. And his organs were probably bleeding all over the place. That's Jesus' love. That's the love that we're called to spread. And I'll tell you, um, I could spend an hour on each one of these words, but for the sake of time... We're going to blow through this, and just forgive me. If I get to come back again, I'll, I swear we'll elaborate more. But love, it says, is patient. It's kind. How many times, you know, the, you know, the Bible says that a kind word turns away wrath, and yet we do, a lot of times, you know, we, in fact, it'll probably happen in this group, leaving church, one of us will go through the drive through and it'll take too long, and we'll blow a gasket on the person at McDonald's because they got our order wrong. Is that kind? I put a note in your uh, bulletin that has a grid for you. And you'll see on one side it'll say love is and does. And on the other side it says love does not and is not. So that's kind of a grid for you to think about things. I'd, I'd ask you to take it home, put it on your fridge, and... And ask yourself, just kind of go by it every day and spend 30 seconds or a minute evaluating how you did. Did I operate this way throughout my day? Did the rubber meet the road when I say that I love God? Did I love people? Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It's not proud. You know, one of the things that's so hard as a Southern Baptist is we talk about numbers all day long. Well, we ran 50. Well, we ran 100. Well, my church runs 4,000. Friends, is that the kingdom? Is the kingdom made up of numbers? Is the king? Let me ask you this. Is the kingdom a, a drip from a faucet, or is it a rushing river that we need to swim in? We can't boast in numbers, people, if we, if we don't have any foundation. If love, if, if Jesus Christ isn't making this strange, we might as well burn it down and go find Jesus. Amen? Because the fact of the matter is, is that while we have all these, you know, we have buildings and we have properties. I mean, the, we attend a church up in Kansas City that probably about $3 million building, if I were to guess. Something like that. Three, it's enormous. You can put this church in it three times. But the fact of the matter is, is that are we a trickle of water or are we running deep? Is the foundation Jesus Christ or is the foundation our budget or our committees or our money? We must learn to suffer long. We must, not, we must learn to not envy the success of other churches. We must 
strive to be disciples, to not boast in our... We can't boast in anything. I mean, Paul says, if I, could, if I should boast in anything, let it be Christ. Amen? Let it be Christ. If we're going to boast in anything. Kindness, you know, our kindness, when we go out and we're kind to people, that's not weakness. That's strength controlled. That's us denying the right to be right. That's what love does, is we deny our right to be right. It doesn't, you know, love doesn't covet. It's not bragging. It's not full of itself. Love says, says yes, I'm a saint by grace. I'm a saint by grace. Not because I deserve it. I'm wretched on my own. It's Jesus that gives me the victory. It's Jesus that makes this church grow. It's Jesus that makes us, gives us all the success. It's Jesus, not me, not us. We are merely vessels to be poured out. It says in verse 5, love is not rude, it's not selfish, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Again, love is the self-sacrificing actions of one person to another that demand no repayment. As I said, love, it says in some translations, it says love is not, does not act unbecomingly. It's not rude. We're not, looking to defend, we're not looking for ways to offend people. We're looking for ways to love people, to build them up. It says that love is not selfish. It's not looking out for its own rights. You know, we live in a country where we are given the right to do this, that, and the other. Free exercise of religion, uh, right to bear arms, right to free speech. I'm just going to tell you all something. It won't be that way forever. I know we think America's been around a couple hundred years and we'll be around forever, but we're not. And the church, the church as we know it is not, is not going to be around forever. In fact, they could t- turn around and blow us all the way and outlaw Christianity tomorrow. And then what would we have for a church? If Jesus Christ is not our foundation, how do we spread the gospel in a, in a, if, we're, if it's all outlawed? If we had to go underground tomorrow, how many of us would still look at one another and go, she's my church, he's my church? Jesus is our head. We, we answer to Jesus, and when we're together, we worship Jesus. says love is not easily angered. We, we, we can't be people with a short fuse. And, and believe me, I'm preaching to myself when I say this because um, if you guys get to meet my kids, my kids can push my buttons better than anybody else can in this world. And any, Can any parent testify to that? Anybody got a kid that works their nerve, has worked their nerve, once worked their nerve? Come on, amen, let me hear it. Don't leave me up here. But the fact of the matter is, is if we're going to love kids, love our kids, love our families, love our enemies, hold on, love our enemies, we can't have a short fuse. It goes back to long-suffering, right? We have to be long-suffering and kind. It isn't keeping keeping any record of wrongs. There are a lot of you that, are probably walk, that probably walked in this morning with a burden on your heart 
Somebody has made you mad. Somebody's hurt you. Somebody's broke you. I'm here to tell you I've had some hurts in my life. Some of the people that I love the most have hurt me the most. That's what love does. Love loves people when they hurt you. Jesus said, you know, if you only love, your, love the people that love you, what, what, how much better are you than the pagans? Right? So how are we going to be better than them if we're easily angered and we're, keeping up, we're, we're walking around with all the baggage on our back of the boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, son, daughter, whoever hurt us. Some of you, it might be your mom or dad that has destroyed your life. You might be sitting here and, and you might be a victim of some kind of abuse that's too horrid to even mention. And I'm here to tell you, God wants you to forgive. God wants you to overcome. He doesn't want you walking around with that baggage. Because we can't keep track. We can't keep track of all the ills and make sure and, 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 and drag that baggage into heaven. I, re- I wrote it down in my notes. It says, love will kill your bitterness or bitterness will kill your love. Love will kill your bitterness or bitterness will kill your love. In Hebrews 12.15, it talks about let no root of bitterness defile you. Now, realize Hebrews was written to Hebrew Christians who had went through temple sacrifices and all that stuff, and being ritually unclean was a bad thing. So bitterness defiles the soul and makes us unclean. It's something that we have to repent of. Otherwise, it has the potential to squash the very... You know, our very relationship, our very... It'll ruin all of our physical relationships. You know, as far as human relationships, it'll ruin all those. Bitterness will ruin every relationship you've ever had and ever will have. That you can take to the bank. But love, love is the conquering force in that. Forgiveness is the conquering force in that. Verse 6, it says, love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Quick story. I worked at Applebee's years ago. I, worked, I was in the restaurant business for about 17 years. And I remember uh, I rounded the corner, and I was wearing, you know, the slick shoes and, and uh, wearing shorts and the, you know, polo shirt and, you know, just got done doing a birthday, had my arms full of dishes. Rounded the corner, and there's this rubber mat right next to the dish area. And I kept... I cut that corner, and when I did, I went up in the air. I looked like something straight out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon. It was bad, okay? It was bad. I mean, I, I went, and I fell on my back, and I had, I had old food from here to my ankles. And, uh, you know, my boss is just standing there, and he's laughing hysterically, and he's laughing hysterically, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, great, great. And see, he didn't have to face the con- he didn't have to face my customers. I had a full section out there. He didn't have to face my customers, but he pulled everybody in to watch me recover from falling. You should have seen it, dude. But the fact of the matter is, is we are much worse than that, especially in Christian circles. We see a pastor fall, 
And I remember this. If any of you are old enough to remember the 80s where all the scandals and the early 90s where all the scandals with the pastors were going on, Jimmy Swaggart and the like. I just want to tell you from my heart, every one of those guys was human. I, don't, I didn't like their, what they stood for either. But watching them fall was nothing to rejoice over. Nothing to rejoice over. And yet they laughed and they made stories. Friends, if we're going to rejoice at people falling, we might as well go ahead and go on down to the bar and join the rest of the pagans. Quit telling it. Quit, quit saying you love Jesus if you're going to, if you're going to go out and, and rejoice at people hurting. Rejoice at people falling. Rejoice at their iniquity. Rejoice at them blowing it. The one thing that should make us sad as disciples of Christ and following Jesus, the one thing that should make us sad is when a brother falls. The Bible says in 1 John, it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now, how do you walk in the light when your brother's in darkness? If you and I are walking along, we've got our hands together, we're holding hands, we're brothers in Christ, we're going to make it to heaven together, and you're in darkness, can I be in light? Can't happen. Not unless I turn on the light and say, hey, you're covered in this. Stop it. Let me help you. In Jude, it talks about snatching them from the fire, despising the garment that's stained by the flesh. That's love. That's love. When we reach out to people who don't deserve it, when we reach into the prison to the person that we say, he deserves to be there. Yes, he deserves to be there. But is it your job to keep him there? Is it your job to ensure he goes to hell? And the fact of the matter is, is that the Bible is very clear. It doesn't tell us to go into prisons and make converts. It says, go into all the world, including the prisons. It says, to make disciples, teaching them to obey what I have commanded you. Love rejoices in truth. We're looking to build people up. So we don't pick at them when they're doing something wrong. We find ways to build them up when they're doing something right. Man, you've gotten into a real habit of Bible reading. That is awesome. You know, you fasted on Friday with me. That's awesome. That's good. Let's reach into those places and speak to those people where they're doing right and say, you know what? I see you doing right. Keep it up. God loves that. And that's the thing about Jesus and his love for us is he does the same thing with us. How many times in the New Testament do we hear him rebuking Um. When, do we hear him rebuking the people among him? Once with Peter, once with G- Judas. I mean, Judas? Shouldn't we have heard tired? Shouldn't, shouldn't be about half this book be full of Judas? Going, going, Judas, don't do that. Judas, don't do that. Judas, don't do that. And yet, that's the thing is, is that we don't see any of that. We don't see any of that. He rebuked Judas one time, as far as we know. But Jesus rejoiced in truth. 
It says in verse 7, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then in verse 8, it says, love never ends. Love is standing out in front of the danger. When you uh, find out that your buddy or your son's friend is going down here to the strip club a couple miles, a few miles down the road, and you drive down there and you catch him on a Friday night and you go, you go, hey man, I love you. Please don't go in there. You'll get addicted. It'll hurt you. It'll destroy your relationships. Please don't go in there. That's you protecting them. When you throw the computer out on the lawn for the for the garbage to take away because you find your kids doing pornography, that's love. That's protecting them. Every bit as much as jumping in front of a moving vehicle. You know, my, my 12-year-old son, he and I have had some static. He's had some rough spots. He has, he's, has some mental issues that cause him to act in ways that are very unseemly. Very unseemly. He's been diagnosed, he's on medication and all that good stuff. But there's been some times when I literally, I had to grab him and hold him down and say, Martin, you can't do this. You can't do this. You're going to hurt somebody or yourself. And as much static as he and I have had, I take a bullet for him today. Just like Jesus took a cross for us. If we're going to love people, you know, Jesus said you have to bear up your cross. We need to bear that cross. And realizing that's going to hurt. Love puts trust over doubt. Always. Always. Let me ask you something. If you can't trust the person that you're hanging out with in particular, can you trust the God that made them? Can you? Somebody answer me. Can you trust the God that made the person that you don't trust. Absolutely. Because he's still in control. He's still on the throne. Love looks for the best in others. It always hopes. See, at the end of the day, when we're hurting, if we're not hoping, we've got to assess our relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus is omnipresent, He's with us all the time. He's in our spirit through the Holy Spirit. And if we are going to say that we love Jesus, we have to have hope. Love always perseveres. Um, Love is something that we will take into eternity with us. I said it earlier to somebody, I was talking to them, and I said, you know, at the, at the Bama Seat of Christ, the pews won't matter, the carpet won't matter, the stage won't matter, the pulpit won't matter, whether we had an organ or a piano or a rock guitar won't matter, because that won't be... That'll all be burned up. It says, everything that was wood, hay, and stubble was consumed by the fire. And most of us are trying to bank on wood, hay, and stubble to, to make a great church or to make great relationships. And the fact of the matter is, is we can't do that. We can't do that. 
Because when we stand at the Bama seat of Christ, it'll be the love that we had for other people. It'll be the love that we had for one another. It will be the love that, you know, I, I can't even imagine how this is going to work out. But I picture me getting to the Bama seat of Christ and him saying, well done, good and fam- faithful servant. And here's your reward. And me having some kind of tangible essence of all the effort and all the love that went into my relationship with my wife. Because I have an awesome relationship with my wife. It wasn't without, it's not without rocks. We've had our rocks. But we've got a rock that keeps us stable. And we've got a love that, that I can't even understand. I mean, I, I literally, walk, my wife walks away and I feel, you know, she can be down the street and I feel like a nutcase because she's my wife, she's my other half. She's my, you know, we're one. We're one flesh. And the fact of the matter is, is when the Bible talks about us being of one mind, if, how can we be of one mind if we're not even talking on weekends? If I'm walking by you on Sunday morning and I'm not even talking to you, how can we be of one mind? The only way for us to be one mind is for us to be in relationship. And that relationship is what will persevere into heaven. Love covers a multitude of wrongs. There's two words. There's two words here. One that says perseveres and endures. Um, the one that says endure is endures is translated endures is different from perseveres. Perseveres is a Greek word called hupomene. It's meaning if you were to like get a uh, if you're like lifting weights at the gym, which you, you, I obviously don't do, but if we were lifting weights at the gym and you were to get under a weight that was too much and you were to just bear up under it, that's hupomene. And we're called to bear up each other's witnesses or, or bear up with each other's weaknesses. But more than that, love covers a multitude of wrongs. This endures has the idea of covering. That means when you hurt me, I have the choice. I can say, I love you and let it go, or I can make a big deal out of it and hold on to it and turn it to bitterness. But love is a choice. Love is a self-sacrificing choice of one person to another that demands no repayment. So let's put the rubber to the road for a second here, and then I'm going to ask the singers to come on back up and do our invitation. Love looks for ways to love people. Pretty simple stuff. Look at the relationships in your life and find ways to out-love the other person. This is good. Don't, don't fade on me now. Love, look for ways to out-love the other person. You know, if, you, if you're married and you're ready to go get a cup of coffee, I'm going to bet you 10 to 1 that if your wife drinks coffee or her husband drinks coffee, that they want a cup too. Just go get them. You know, when they say, when they, when you hear your wife or your husband say, boy, I'd really like that, take it as a hint. That's a hint. You know, when, when the neighbor down the street, the, you know, the single mom and she's all pregnant with, with, you know, the third baby daddy or whatever, and you're, and you're sitting there going, well, she's getting what she deserves. Forget it. Go down and babysit her kids while she goes out, while she goes out, while she gets some time by herself. Go buy, her an oil cha- go buy her a certificate for an oil change. 
so she can get her oil changed on her car. Reach out to the, to the elderly person down the road and go mow their grass. Don't ask them. Go do it. You've seen them pay 25 bucks, 50 bucks to get their lawn mowed so the city will get off of them. Go do it. Go find a bar in Joplin where all the drunk people hang out at. Get a bunch of you together, four, five, six of you. Get coffee pots, fill them all up with hot coffee. Take them down there and serve them to the drunks. And don't worry about passing out tracks. They'll want to know why you're there, why you're trying to let them get home safe. Pass out the coffee to them. Say, hey, we just want to give you a cup of coffee so you make it home safe. Stay here and have two. Develop some relationships. Start a date night for parents. This is a big one. And these are just ideas. I'm just thinking outside the box here. But start a date night for parents. Get five or ten couples that are parents. Have a rotation. Get them all into the church. Have, you know, get as many kids as you can get into the church. Let them play. Let them have a good time. Play VeggieTales movies and let mom and dad go for a couple hours. Find kids that need help with their homework. Start an after-school thing. It doesn't have to be a church program. It can be a you thing. It's where you go out and love Jesus and love people. And finally, it says, love never ends. Friends, if we're going to demonstrate the love of Christ, love can't end with us. Love can't end with us. We have to be catalysts for love. We have to be choosers of love. Let's go, let's go to the Lord in prayer.